right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds. We are out here on a Saturday, I guess mid-afternoon, early night kind of time, 5.30, getting ready for the start of the MLB season, which means I'm joined by friend of the show, Keith Hernandez. Yep. Keith is doing great. I won't even ask him because I just saw him a little while ago, so we could get past that. I know he's doing awesome. (laughs) He's happy to be here. Oh, yeah. So, if you're just joining us for the first time on a Monday, that's when our baseball pods drop. We are currently in the middle of divisional previews. We did the entire American League already, so feel free to go back and check those out. We are just starting the National League today. Remember, we got, if you're here, we got you covered. Whether you like to bet, we got betting picks for you. If you're here for fantasy, little nuggets here and there, we got you for that. If you're here just for straight up baseball content, we got you for that too. And we also have those guys that we love to hate, which I'm sure you probably share (laughs) with us. So before we get into the episode, a couple of things you need to do. If you listen to this all the time, you know what they are. So if you follow directions, that would be cool. So number one would be follow at Beak Brands on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All our content gets pushed there. You'll be able to interact with me and Keith on there as well. You can follow me at Tim Ferdinand. You can follow Keith at Keith Hernandez. Two Zs, because obviously the original one is taken. Um, Number two would be we need you to subscribe and or follow to the Speak to the Beak podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and number three is you can check out the website beakbrands.com. All of our written content as well as our podcasts are posted there. Right now we're in full swing with getting ready for the MLB season. We're right in the middle of the hockey season and football free agency is getting kicked off here. So we got a lot going on. So now that we got that out of the way, Keith, we did the entire American League. We're going to go with the National League East and work our way back out to the West Coast. So I know me and Keith are Mets fans, so we'll try to keep this one <laughs> not too long for you because we could go on a you know a little speaking rampage Rant there. about the Mets forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to keep it minimal. So... I know Keith's excited for the NL East. I'm excited for the NL East. We're going to do this thing. So, just some quick betting numbers here for the NL East. You got the Braves are the current favorites, plus 130. Mets, plus 150. Nationals, plus 650. Phillies, plus 850. And Marlins, plus 2,500. But Keith, before we dive into that, the people know, we're first going to talk about our favorite additions in the division. So if you could take anyone that's signed with a National League East team, what's your favorite one and why? Yep. Try to be uh, unbiased as possible on this one, but I'm going to go with Taiwan Walker. Uh, Matt signed him to a two-year deal with a third-year option. Uh, you know, I think it's a, a little bit of a sneaky pickup. Uh, you know, he's, he's still only 28 years old. Uh, had a great year last year in the shortened season between – uh, the Mariners and uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, if he pitches anywhere close to what he did last year, that's going to be such a big piece for them at the number four starter and probably getting moved down to number five whenever, you know, Syndergaard comes back in the middle of the year. Um, and then, you know, it also gives them insurance for 
one of their two free agent pitchers, or you know, either Showman leaves, Syndergaard leaves after this year, um, gives them a little bit of insurance there for for the following years. Yeah, so if you guys have been reading what I've been writing, I've been banging the table for this guy since like the day the season was over. So the fact the Mets, it took them, I don't know, five months. Yeah. But hey, he's here. <laughs> he's here. And the most important part of what Keith said is that the Mets did something stupid, which was let Zach Wheeler walk. He never let starting pitchers that are good walk. And now they're going to do something stupid, which is pick between Syndergaard and Stroman. And uh, we're going to lose one of them. It's almost inevitable. So it's a good thing they picked up Tywon Walker to kind of backload that, like Heath said, have a little bit of insurance there. I like that pick. My pick is going to be Charlie Morton signing with the Braves. One year, $15 million. The second the Rays declined this man's option, I was out here texting everyone I knew, like, we – because he was in Tampa, so I know we have representatives that live in Florida. Get this man on a plane. Kidnap him. I don't care what you got to do. Put him on a plane and fly him to New York and just say, how much money is it going to take? We did not do that. The Braves ended up doing that indirectly because he wanted to go there. They got him. Morton's really, really good, and they actually needed him because as the current, I guess, either favorite or co-favorite, depending on how you look at the division here, um, they really needed some top-end starting pitcher with Mike Soroka still recovering from an Achilles injury. So getting Morton for them really, I think, boosted the top of their rotation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the Braves really needed him. If if the Braves came out of the offseason without signing one of the top starters, it would have been a huge fail for them, and it would have been the start of their decline. Um, I mean, yeah, Charlie Morton's great. If you watched any part of the postseason last year you saw how great he was regular season last year he wasn't that good you know era of 4.75 and nine starts i mean i know it's a shortened season whatever blah 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 blah. (laughs) but he's about to turn 38 uh so you know it's a big risk i know it's only one year um it's it's kind of just like a filler in the rotation for now like you said while soroka's out um but they the braves needed to add some quality started pitching and you know i'm sure that's what they're hoping to get on charlie morton I think part of it why, like, when he was – the Rays only let him go, like, five or six innings every time he started, even when he yeah. was on fire. So it's like it's hard to lower your ERA when when you're pitching well yeah. and you're getting yanked early for no reason. But that's what the Rays do. You know, that's what the Rays do. So – and I like – you said he was 38. It's only a one-year deal, like you said. So I just want to reiterate that. So in case he mm-hmm. busts out, uh, you know, in the bad way, they won't be uh, too won't lost be too there. Yeah. yeah. So – we're going to hop into it, uh, but some quick honorable mentions before we move on. I really liked Brad Hand and Archie Bradley both signing in the division. I wanted the Mets to grab both of these guys. They're foolish and didn't get either one of them. I'm uh, still I'm still mad at Ken Rosenthal for saying that uh, the Mets signed Brad Hand, and then, yeah, and then he, we did. He ended up obviously yeah. not going to the Mets, and that tweet is still up now that Brad Hand is signing with the Mets. Uh, that's rough. That's rough. Um, but good signings there for the Phillies and Nationals. So we're going to start with our team-by-team previews here. We start from the bottom and work our way up. So the Marlins, plus 2,500, they're the first team we'll talk about. To me, they're a solid team. They shouldn't be dreadful. They somehow made the playoffs last year (laughs) and then swept Chicago out in the three-game series. So, like, all right. Um, 
But that was different. That was a shortened year. Now we're looking at a full 162 against the entire league instead of just the NL East. So do you think the Marlins can repeat what they did last year? Uh, in a full season, no. Um, their bullpen is not good. You're going to really need to rely on your bullpen in a, in a full 162-game season. Um, and, and the offense isn't there for the most part either. I mean, you got Starley Marte at the top of the order. Corey Dickerson solid. Um, Brian Anderson is going to go out there and hit 300 to play a solid third base. But besides that, um, everyone's just kind of like average or like below average. Uh, you got a couple of big prospects with like Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison um, in your outfield that haven't panned out yet. I mean, Monte Harrison just came up for the first time last year. And he hit like 170, but Lewis Brinson's been hitting 170 for the past few seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, one of these two guys are going to figure it out eventually, and that'll be a huge addition to their team. But it uh, looks like they're going to rock with some veterans out there in the outfield for now until uh, those guys figure it out. So, I'm glad you brought up Lewis Brinson there. <laughs> yeah. So, he was the guy... <laughs> that they got in the Christian Yelich trade when they moved him to Milwaukee. And like Keith said, uh, he has been horrendous since they got him. He At his career right now, he is currently batting a buck 89 with an on-base percentage of 242, slugging 304. That is not good. Uh, spring training, he's looked a little bit better this year. 215, OPS, 550. He has a home run. He's got two RBIs. Uh, however, batting average, .083. So he's getting on base, but he doesn't have any hits. He has one hit and 12 at-bats. Is time running out for Brinson to turn this thing around? Yeah. Yeah. It, right. it is running out quick. He is entering his age 27 season. Um, you know, he's had what four years in the majors now, so the service time's yeah, running out. Like that, yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of, it's kind of panned out pretty similar to Byron Buxton, even though Byron Buxton has had flashes. Nah, of Byron Buxton has at least been okay. <laughs> at least, at least Byron Buxton has at least been like okay, yeah. But like, this is this, I maybe maybe a better comp. He's panning out like Lasting's Millage. Don't bring that guy. Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god! Yeah, actually, so, more like Fernando Martinez because last thing's oh Millage god. was at least mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fernando Martinez. Yeah, um, yeah. Time is running out quick. Uh, if Starling Marte is a trade candidate for the Marlins, which I'm sure he will be, because they'll probably be in the bottom three of the division. Um, I'm sure either Lewis Brinson or Monte Harrison will get another shot out there in center field but i just want to say we are a couple episodes in and keith is out here thriving with the transitions i don't even have to do them all anymore he's got me covered (laughs) on half of them so i'm glad you brought up starling Marte too i mean you might as well do this thing by yourself so (laughs) we kind of talked before we recorded that would you say would you say he's their best player yeah 100 percent. i agree position player yeah yeah position player position player yeah um so if you could scoop him in a fantasy league, obviously that's where we would go. Now, I, I think Marte might get traded like Heath kind of alluded to there. The Marlins are not expected to be in this till the end. Mm-hmm. Marte, I'm surprised he even ended up in Miami to begin with. That was uh, a crazy trade last yeah, year. Yeah, but here he is. 
Uh, so I think if Miami falls out of it, they'll move him, which actually might help him for fantasy purposes because he'll be on a team that's has more offense around him. Um, but how about some other guys that you're keying in on your fantasy team? So I'll give I'll give you one or two, and then I'll let you take the rest mm-hmm. here. So uh, I won't take all the big names. So if you play yeah. in a rotisserie league, and you're look, I mean a categories league, excuse me, and you're looking for power, Jesus Aguilar, tons of power. I mean, he strikes out a ton, but and he doesn't walk. <laughs> he doesn't walk. So he's like, but if you're if you're looking just for straight home runs, he could do that for you. Yep. Uh, and my other guy, and just in general, I just like him, Sandy Alcantara. He does walk yep. a lot of guys, but he has a decent amount of strikeouts. He goes a decent amount of innings. He's yeah, their number he's gonna, one, so you're probably going to get gonna two go star weeks out of him. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go out there and pitch pretty much every every time he's up. Give you 30, 32 starts for the season. Yeah. 195, 200 innings, something around there. He's he's going to do plenty of work. Um, I mentioned this guy before for you know one of one a sleeper pick I guess Brian Anderson at third base. If you forget to draft the third baseman and you're <laughs> going going towards the later rounds, uh, he's not a household name. He will be there. Uh, he's going to consistently hit you know 280, 300. He's going to get on base a lot. Doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but. He's going to hit. He's going to produce, you know, decent numbers. Hits right in the middle of the order, so I'm sure he'll be driving a ton of runs. Um, and then their star star young pitcher, Sixto Sanchez, um, he's a stud. He was he's He's got filthy stuff. If you didn't see him pitch last year, go watch some highlights because this guy's change-up slider, fastball, oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he has good stuff, and he'll be up eventually at some point. Yeah. So I agree there. Uh, like I said, me and Keith are not really in here on the whole Marlins long term. Gave you a little mm-hmm. fantasy nuggets, and we'll talk about maybe some bets to make on them a little bit later. But we're going to move on to the next team here. So, Philadelphia Phillies. A couple of things we're going to hit on. Number one, JT, is back behind the plate. So, I know Keith kind of talked about that when we did our favorite offseason additions. He loved that for the Phillies because they didn't overpay. Yeah. We don't have to spend too much time on that, but we know the importance of having a really, really good catcher. And if he's not the best catcher in the league, he's number two. So he's he's right there. Other than him, yep. though, his their lineup is stacked, like top to bottom. They have a top really good bottom. lineup. So where would you rank their lineup in the NL East? Mm, I would say second. Yeah, I was gonna say first being the Mets, and uh, like I. No, I, we'll I, get there. We'll get there. I'm I gonna, yeah, I'm, we'll get there later. I'm not. I'm trying not to be biased, but the Mets Mets lineup is stacked, and there's no no going around yeah. it. Like you cannot deny it. Well, I think but, the Phillies, yeah. hands down, have a better lineup than the Marlins, and hands down have a better lineup than the Nationals. The, 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 the Nationals. Nationals have a couple of holes. Yeah. So at you worst, can, you they're can teeter third. between. Yeah. Yeah, you can teeter between the Braves and the Phillies. I think the Phillies have a little more depth. Um, I agree. That, pushes me over the edge over the Braves all right so I agree with that and obviously if you can get any of those guys on your fantasy team you're looking good um yeah. but here's a question for you so Bryce Harper we know signed that really big deal three years ago two years ago that whole two co- years ago yeah the whole COVID short season really messes up my timeline yeah <laughs> um so do you think Bryce Harper will ever live up to his contract never <laughs> never I don't think he'll win an MVP in his 13 years in Philadelphia. 
I don't think he'll finish the contract in Philadelphia. Ooh. I don't care about his no trade clause. Um, they will be moving him eventually. Do not be surprised. Like when he's like 32, 33, this is still like when he's like 27 now. So it's still like five years down the road. They will move him eventually. Um, something, something's going to happen where, you know, fights a teammate or, you know, they're, he's not happy that they haven't made the playoffs in the last three years and he's going to want out. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. I don't know if he, I don't know about the whole, he doesn't finish it there, but does it, yeah. Listen, those guys get moved if there's a taker for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about the Phillies that we're going to get to, because obviously everyone knows my stance on big long-term deals. I hate them. So, mm-hmm. unless you're Fernando Tatis Jr. Their pitching is pretty mediocre, Keith. Well, they're starting pitching anyway. Um, yeah. They brought in a couple guys in the bullpen. But let's focus on their starters for right now. For me, outside of their top three, they have a lot of question marks. So their top three being, you know, Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wouldn't even consider a top three. I would, I would really consider it top two with Nola and Wheeler. You know, Eflin is still a little bit of a question mark. He's inconsistent, but, you know, he's better than the rest of what they have. So I, you can't count on him a little bit. But after that, you, I don't even consider him question marks because you can't count on those guys at all. Matt Moore hasn't been good since 2013. You know, we we spoke about him earlier. Um, hasn't pitched in a major league game since 2019, where he pitched two games for the Tigers. Didn't give up a run, which was great because <laughs> he actually looked good for the first time in forever. But sprained his knee. He was out for the rest of the year. Um, so, you know, what production you're going to get out of him. Vince Velasquez hasn't been good since the first time he came up. The first, like, nine starts he made, he was, like, untouchable. Um, I know because I had him <laughs> in fantasy baseball. <laughs> yep, I remember the week that he pitched twice against me, and he put up like what two hundred something points, something ridiculous. <laughs> like, he, he went not off. Even fair. He went off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Vince Velasquez hasn't been good in a while. Matt Moore hasn't been good in a while. You know, who who are you going to count on to, you know, <laughs> carry your rotation? If if one of the two between Nola or Rila go down. Like that's it for them. Yeah, it's a wrap it, if one of those two guys gets hurt. I like agree. even even if it's just two weeks, that's three or four starts that you're gonna miss out of those guys. That's it's it's gonna cost them a season. Yeah, they don't have any depth. That's the problem in the starting pitching. They don't yep. have any depth. And Arietta's gone. And even though we were talking before when I saw you that you don't really like him at this point anymore in his mm. career. I, I, he's better than what they have at the four and five spot. I bet he is better than yeah. what they have at four or five. But he, every year in, in Philadelphia, he was terrible. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Can't deny um, that. Yeah, and if if you go to their bullpen, they added Bradley, they added Jose Alvarado. Um, but I mean, Alvarado hasn't even been good the last two years either. I mean, big heart throwing lefty, but he's super wild and. Last two years hasn't been anywhere close to what he was his first years in the league. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but they had to do something in the bullpen. You know, yeah. we knew Hector Norris wasn't really a closer. The jokes were hilarious <laughs> with him, <laughs> but uh, he's kind of like a poor man's Jerry's Familia over there. Yeah. But which is that's that's tough because Jerry yeah. really has has not been good either. No, no. I mean, Norris has good stuff, but he walks a mm-hmm. lot of guys, which the same thing Familia does. Like he's just yeah. a cardiac kids out here making yeah. everything way harder than it needs to be. 
Um, and me and Keith kind of outlined it, you know, before. They're starting pitching outside the top, two or three guys, big question mark. Bullpen strengthened it, uh, but they're going to run it back with the same group of guys. So you think it's going to work? <laughs> um, No, probably not. It's probably going to be the same result that it has been. Um, you know, they're really, really lacking depth um, in all areas between, you know, on the uh, their their fielders um, and their pitching, you know, they're if one one guy goes down, you know, where are you gonna go? Like if Didi goes down, I mean, what are you gonna do? Slide Gene Segura to, to shortstop, put Scott Kingery in second base, then you don't have a, a center fielder. Scott, first of all, Scott Kingery isn't even a center fielder; he's an infielder. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be rocking him in center field for his bat, I guess. Um, but that defense is gonna hurt. You know, Andrew Percussion out and left is pretty much running like he's on one leg right now. I mean, he can still hit a little bit. He's going to get on base, but, like, he does not have the range that he used to have. So, I mean, any in any area, one guy goes down, that's it. And, what, JT uh, Muto bro- broke his thumb. I don't think he's played a spring training game yet. So, I don't think so either. Um, I think he'll be ready for opening day, but don't be surprised if he starts gets off to a cold start with no action. I totally forgot about this guy until you brought up center field. They still have Oduble Barrera, Oduble uh, Herrera, don't they? But he's like suspended no. or whatever. Any of like a domestic oh. violence thing? Oh, you know what? You might be right. I yeah. think yeah, he might be. He might be still somewhere out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see him anywhere. Yeah. So here we. I but, found an uh, article right here. Philly's still yeah. waiting for Scott Kingery, Roman Quinn, or Oduble Herrera to see center field job. He's good when he's out there. Yeah. This was unplanned, yeah. people. Just want to throw that out there. 276 career average, 56 stolen bases, OPS 756. I mean, he's brain dead. He has no idea what he's doing out there <laughs> in the field. But he can hit, and he has played in spring yeah. training. He's played in five games. So This year? Yeah. That's what I oh, think man. so. Oh, well, check. Yeah, 2021 spring training. That's now. Yeah. Well, if he's there, good for them. Yeah, that threw a wrench into that, right? Because maybe Scott Kingery yeah, right? can go back to the infield where he belongs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they got a little bit of a loaded infield there. So, yeah, who are you going to make time for? Yeah, but either way, I think Kingery's a rotational player anyway. But Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's go to the next team here, Washington Nationals. Mm. Their top three is disgusting the best in baseball yeah yeah there we go good okay because i was gonna say that might be a topic here but i'm glad we're on the same page so <laughs> there we go they have the best top three in all of baseball with scherzer strasburg pat corbin back end of the bullpen is now legit uh, yep. obviously we talked about before they picked up brad hand they still have daniel hudson they have will harris like they have guys in the back end now the rest of it Still a question mark, but if you have three guys that go seven innings pretty much every time they touch the ball, you don't really need those middle guys to pitch that exactly. often. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And that was their formula so, for winning the World Series two years ago. And it worked. And it worked. Um, so let's not even waste any time on their pitching because mm-hmm. if, if you're a fantasy player, you know all those guys. Like, all the, their top three starters are all like top forty-five players in like in the rankings. So yeah, you're not you're not going to get any of them unless you pick them, you know, super early. Obviously, Juan Soto is a first-round pick. You're not going to get him unless you have, like, a top-five pick. You might not even have the chance to get him. He might be off the board before you even make a pick. (laughs) So, 
we can talk about some fantasy players in a second here. Mm. But I did want to talk about the rest of their lineup. So they did trade for Josh Bell from Pittsburgh. They got him for free because that's what Pittsburgh does. They just give away all their players. Um, Juan Soto, like we said, might not have a chance to take him. Victor Robles, good player, offers some speed. Mm-hmm. Keith kind of outlined before in a, in a previous podcast why he doesn't like Kyle Schwarber. Uh, but if you missed that one, Keith is going to give you a one- to two-minute presentation here on why that's <laughs> a bad move. So you go. Yeah. Um, first first of all, he's a, he's a pure DH. He does not belong on the field at any time. I don't. I, he came up as a catcher. Um, Cubs saw he was terrible there. They're like, oh, let's move him to the outfield because he can hit. Um, and move him to the outfield, and he lost them at least like two or three yeah, playoff games easily. with that with his defense out there. Um, last year and pretty much 200 at bats, he hit 188. Um, his you know his average isn't there. On base is not really there either in the low 300s. Um, sure, when he gets a hold of one, he's gonna hit it 500 feet, but like. If you're hitting under 200, like, what's the point? Um, you know, they're, they're paying him, what, $11 million? So he's going to be out there most of the time. But I don't know how long he lasts out there. Um, I Yeah, I don't like him. So Not, I, don't, I don't think it was a good pickup for them. To me, Kyle Schwarber is that kid who's like the coach's kid in Little League that hits the ball like 9,000 miles once a game and every other coach is like obsessed with him because he can hit the ball really (laughs) far, but he can't run, field, throw, or do anything else. Um, That's Kyle Schwarber. So I I agree with you there. But if you play in a categories league and you're okay with him murdering your batting average, he should give you close to 30 homers if he plays a lot of games. Yeah. In theory. Uh, Would I take him? Absolutely not. But just throwing that out there for you. Uh, some other fantasy nuggets here. Trey Turner, I love this guy. Always injured, but he's really, really good. So where do you think he ranks among shortstops just in general? Obviously, he's not in the Fernando Tatis Jr. range. Yeah, but I would where somewhere between him? four and six. Okay, it's reasonable. Um, I, think, I think Tatis is better than him. I think Lindor is better than him. And I think Trevor Story is better than him. Um, I, you can flip flop him and Corey Seager. I think, I think he's better than um, Corey Seager. I th- yeah. I think he's also, he, I think he offers more than Corey. Yeah. Seager. Which is why he's better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would probably four or five. Yeah. All right. So I looked up before just in case people are at home or wondering his numbers are pretty much identical to Francisco Lindor. He just doesn't get nearly the pub. Um, yeah, he steals more. I mean, he steals more bases. Um, well, is he the best base dealer in the league? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that says something. He's only stealing like forty bags. Um, I mean, only forty bags. That's still a lot. But like, compared to, you know, what we're used to seeing the last five, six years. Um, you know, that's forty. Forty is gonna get you a stolen base count because nobody steals bases anymore. Yeah, no. Yeah, they don't want you to run. The analytics nah. don't want you to run. They just want you to stand at first base and hope the next three guys hit a home run. And if they strike out, mm-hmm. then it is what it is. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, you got it. What? Yeah. You look. You look at the top of the order. I mean, yeah, Trey Turner is gonna lead off, obviously. Um, I wouldn't hit Juan Soto second. I know there's this big thing of you know your best overall player hitting him second. Uh, no, 
Yeah, which I also Juan Soto has to hit cannot third. stand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. But if Juan Soto is hitting third and Trey Turner is leading off, who's hitting second for them? Because you know Victor Robles doesn't have a great bat. He doesn't have a high on base percentage. You're not hitting Kyle Schwarber second. Um, Carter Keboom has yet to prove himself. Um, I know, like their manager Dave Martinez has talked a lot about, you know, try to get him enough reps and you know try to get him to produce like the top prospect that he was. Um, he's only 23 years old, so there's a lot of time for him to you know figure it out. Um, but I don't know. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of holes in that lineup. Um, besides you know like Josh Bell, Trey Turner, and and Juan Soto. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to need their pitching to carry them, like 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, if if one of the – like you said, for the Phillies, one of those guys goes down. If someone, if the Nationals lose one of those three guys, it's a wrap. Yeah, because uh, they don't have much yeah. depth either. And, you know, Strasburg, I love him, but he is prone to do that. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. You know, Saquon, if you're out here listening – Every time he takes him from me in fantasy baseball, he gets hurt. So I'll let the people, you know, outside of our baseball league know if I end up with him, you're good. If Saquon has him, you should trade him immediately because he <laughs> will get injured. Um, I think he's only had him one time that he was healthy, and that was like two years mm-hmm. ago. So Juan Soto ranks anywhere in the top, you know, three-ish players in baseball. We can argue about that pretty much all day. We're not going to, but when you look at his contract and you can, well, his upcoming contract, do you think he stays with the Nationals slash do you think his contract is less or more than Tatis deal he just got? Um, I think he's going to get more and I think it's going to be because he's going to wait until free agency to sign. He's, he's going to play through his whole arbitration thing with the Nationals. I want him to leave so bad. <laughs> I don't want. I don't. I just get him out of the East, or if he stays in the East, I only want him in New York. Yeah, true. Um, but no, he. I think he'll get more money than uh, Tatis. I feel like he's gonna get something around what like Mookie Betts, the uh, Mike Trout got, around that range. Um. That's. That's a lot of money. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, top three player in baseball. Um, only 22 years old, about to turn 23 in two months. He's insane. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else I can say besides he's insane. He's really good. And I actually looked up who his agent was because I'm pretty sure he was a Boris guy, and he is a Boris guy. And yes. according to uh, this, like, press release here, the Fernando Tatis mm-hmm. Jr. contract – is the floor for the Juan Soto contract, according to yep. uh, Scott Boris. So, therefore, if I'm the Nationals, I need to trade this man immediately while <laughs> I still have time because there is no way on God's green earth I am paying this dude, like, significantly more than Fernando Tatis. Yeah. I'm just not going to do it. And historically, Boris clients do not resign. Correct. So, they, uh, I mean – we can go back to the pitching. This is the last year of Max Scherzer's contract. Um, I he's pretty much solidified himself as a Hall of Famer. 
100 percent yeah what three three Cy Youngs he's got in total now two of them with the nationals i think back-to-back years um i can check that yeah let's see i'm pretty sure it's three uh yeah three Cy Youngs seven-time all-star and he has a world series ring and he has a world series ring now coming up on 3,000 strikeouts um yeah, he's close he might get it this he's, season He's if he pitches a full season, he got it. Yeah, I mean, he had 243 strikeouts in 2019. He only pitched 170 innings. Yeah, he strikes out a lot he's, of dudes. He strikes out a lot of people. The only thing is, um, what's what's the home run ball going to be for him this year? I mean, the balls are apparently not juiced anymore. So, if, if that works out in his favor, he's going to be back to what he was like in like 2015, 2016, yeah. which is going to be very scary. Um, <laughs> He's so intimidating. He's so good. Um, if the Nationals let him walk, that's it. And like, like this going back to Soto, Nationals let him walk. Like Scherzer walk, Soto's not going to want to stay in the future because they're going to be an older team, and there's going to be really nothing left for him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so why don't we move on to our next team here? And that team would be our New York Mets. Very, very exciting. I know, I know. So exciting. (laughs) So we're going to try to not spend the next three hours talking about the Mets and how we love to hate them. So a couple of things. We'll just get right into it here. Their bullpen, I don't care what anyone tells me, they are ass (laughs) outside of, like, three guys. I don't... you, you can't tell me otherwise, right? Like, Edwin Diaz is good. Seth Lugo is hurt. Familia is pretty good. But Tansis, you don't know really what you're going to get out of him. He hasn't looked that great in spring, spring training. Gazelman is like a good, you know, long reliever type of guy. You know what I mean? Trevor May, we just picked up. Aaron Loop. I don't love the bullpen. Agree or disagree? No, I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, realistically, the bullpen is going to be as good as... Familia and Batanzas are. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's that's what's gonna settle how they perform. Miguel Castro's a wild card. Yes, he's he just is. a young. He's just a young Jerry Familia. <laughs> Throws hard stinkers. Has no idea where the ball is going. And pretty much every other time he's gonna be out there, he's gonna leave a sinker right down the middle. It's gonna get hit over the fence. That's I, I mean, unless they fix him and he, they they learn. Something where he's a little more deceptive and people are chasing more, or you know, he just throws strikes not over the like right down the middle of the plate. Um, you know, that could be a huge boost. Um, I think a couple sleepers could be, you know, Drew Smith and Sam McWilliams. Sam McWilliams is uh, a guy we just picked up from uh, from the Rays, I believe. He's been getting uh, a ton Rays, of hype. Rays, Rays, yeah, Rays let him go. Uh, I think he's like 25 or 26 years old. Mets signed him to a major league deal. He has not pitched in a major league game ever. Um, so uh, watching the spring training, he's just another big guy who throws 100 miles an hour and has no idea where the ball's going. <laughs> so again, he's a work in progress. But if this has anything about the Mets farm system, we signed him and he automatically became our 15th best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not um, a good thing 
But, I mean, Aaron Loop is solid. Is he going to be the only lefty in the bullpen? Is he going to get I the Pedro not. Feliciano treatment? Oh my God. I hope not either. <laughs> but I'm, I don't trust Daniel, Daniel Zamora. No, are you going to no. – are you going to throw Jerry Blevins out there? I mean, he's been fine in spring training, but like it's Jerry Blevins. Like he's, he took, he he's been retired for the last year and a half or whatever. Um, he looks like a, a, a dude you found in the skate park with his long hair. Now yeah, sounds like, yeah. a, looks like a dude you found in the skate park. You're like, here, put on this baseball uniform and <laughs> go out there and throw me 20 curveballs and strike everybody out. He's like mad tall and lanky too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they got Mike Montgomery, too, who's looked pretty good so far um, in his, like, three appearances or whatever. Um, or, you know, does Joey Lucchese get moved to the bullpen? I think no for Lucchese not getting moved to the bullpen just because he has a minor league option. Um, to me, David Peterson won the fifth starter spot last year. Um doesn't seem like the Mets believe that because they're still <laughs> competing for that fifth spot in the rotation. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you kind of brought up the starting rotation there. So before we signed Taiwan Walker, I said we needed more starting pitching. We yep. signed him and I was like, all right, lit. We still need more starting pitching because knowing the Mets, people are going to get hurt. And if you look at that, Carlos Carrasco is already injured. I know it's a, you know. Quote-unquote injury. Yeah, quote-unquote injury. I don't want to hear that. Now, listen, I feel bad. This man had cancer, and I'm not trying to bash him. All right, so uh, cancer aside, he has had injury problems in the past. So the fact that his elbow is not feeling great, and we just started spring training, does not give me confidence. For the whatever the reason, reason is, for whatever the, the only reason, reason is. I'm, the only reason I'm not concerned is, is because in the press release he made a comment saying his elbow hurt after his first vaccine. He just got a second vaccine, and this is it's crazy that you know we're <laughs> having injury related issues from you know COVID vaccines. From COVID vaccines that, only the that's, Mets. That's, that's where we're living right now. <laughs> but I mean, Carrasco said his elbow hurt after the first vaccine. He just got a second vaccine. He said his elbow hurt again. It's normal to have those those you know body pains after after the shots. That's like a normal side effect of it. So I'm not too worried. He's probably not going to get a ton of spring training reps. I probably pitched like the last week or so of spring training, and probably going to the season only pitching you know four or five innings, which is not good because <laughs> who's going to come out of the bullpen and back him up? Yeah, we don't have that's, that's, what, that's what I'm worried about. Um, but I think. That's enough about the pitching. Yeah. I, Their lineup is insane. I'm glad you Their said that. Because in my notes, <laughs> I literally have it written down that the lineup is redonkulous. So insane or redonkulous is the exact same to me. So but I, It has to be the best lineup on paper since 2006. For the Mets, yeah, 100%. For the Mets. 100%. Yeah, yeah that's not even debatable, I don't think. Like, top to bottom – I mean, thank you, Robinson Cano. You really did us a favor there, buddy, <laughs> because that really opened up the rest of this for us. So God bless you, yeah. buddy. Thank, thank you for, for letting Dom Smith play and letting McNeil play second base finally. Yeah. It's everything we needed. It's everything um, we needed and more. <laughs> you know, uh, I, there's still a chance that there's a DH. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know if you, you follow the Chris Paddock's burner account on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> but um, last night he tweeted DH. So if Chris Paddock's burner account knows something that other, you know, beat reporters don't know, DH could be coming. Um, so I mean, that'll that'll move Brandon Nimmo to a corner. Thank God, because. I still don't trust him in center field. He hasn't been getting enough reps out there in spring training. They keep throwing him in the corner for some reason. Um, but that would move Kevin Pillar in the center field, who, uh, I mean, defensive metrics have been going down, whether you like defensive stats or not. But he's also played in two terrible places to play center field, which yeah, is San Francisco yeah. and Colorado, <laughs> yeah. which is probably why those stats went down. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. But even if Kevin Pillar doesn't start in center field as a DH, he's a great bat off the bench. He's going to be a great late inning defensive replacement. Um, I know there's one guy on the bench who you love, who you would probably like to talk about. Yeah. So Jonathan VR is like the greatest signing <laughs> we've ever had because how did we get this guy for three million dollars? I don't know how. He can play pretty much everywhere in the infield. He's stupid fast and has and the pop. outfield. Yeah, like he's. He's mad good. And when Pete, we, we got him, people were, like, mad salty about it. Like, you must clearly not watch baseball. Like, oh, he's got a low batting average. Bro, he's on the bench. I don't care what his batting <laughs> average is. He can run, he can play defense, and he hits for power. Like, if he was our everyday, you know, starting shortstop or something, I'd be like, ah, we have a problem. But yeah. he's not. So the fact that he bats 230, I don't really care. When was yeah. the last time uh, we had a legitimate speed? Never. Yeah, like since Jose Reyes. Never. I mean, I know we Jose had Billy Reyes Hamilton, but like, he doesn't count because he couldn't hit. Yeah. Oh, oh um, man. People but, just get me mean, so mad. <laughs> yeah, the, the bench the bench was a huge problem. We had nobody. Yeah. You know, we were going to be out there rocking like Tomas Nito and like whatever other like little minor league guys that we picked up. But then out of nowhere, we picked up VR and we picked up Kevin Pillar, which is huge. Um. I think Albador Mora is going to start the year in the minors. Um, unless, you know, now that Jose Martinez is Torres meniscus, he's going to be out for four months. That was a big bench bet that we needed. That last bench spot, you need righty power. Albador Mora does not provide power, but could he provides speed. It could be Mike Franco. It could be Mike Franco. Apparently, the Mets are front runners for him. But it also could be Brandon Drury, who is on a minor league deal with the Mets right now. Um, he's getting a lot more attention now with uh with martinez out so i mean if they want to go that route because um because almora still has a minor league option i wouldn't be surprised with that and i wouldn't be opposed to it but um you know defense is still a little bit of a problem i i kind of talked about that before with you know nimba in center field dom smith is not a left fielder and i'm nervous because they're not giving him any reps out there in spring training. I know uh, Luis Rojas said it's because they don't want to burn him out. Fine, whatever. They just need his bat if, in the lineup. They need his bat in the yeah. lineup. If J.D. Davis is passable at third base, we're looking good. That's huge. Yeah, We're looking great. <laughs> because McNeil's a natural second baseman. He looks great turning double plays with Lindor. The last time we've had a great defensive shortstop was like, when we had Omar Quintanilla out there in like 2012. <laughs> um, 
like uh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, I work at City Field, so I am so excited <laughs> to yeah. be at games this year. <laughs> oh my god! So, I'm, I'm obviously I'm excited. Uh, and we kind of talked about Dom Smith, how they just need his bat in the lineup there. But mm-hmm. two questions that are kind of surrounding the Mets here. What's going to happen with Michael Conforto, Michael Conforto and his deal? And will mm-hmm. Pete Alonso rebound? So why don't we start with Pete? Because I think that's a, that's a quicker discussion. Yeah. So do you think he stays locked in for the whole year? He had a down year last year. Yes. Pete lost like 30 pounds. He's... I think he finally something someone must have talked to him about something. Maybe it was Chili Davis, um, the hitting coach. But I think he's not selling out for power anymore. And, and if you look, if you watch the spring training at bats, he's not selling out for power. And I think it's because he realized there's enough bats in the lineup. Even last year there was enough bats in the lineup, but he was still selling out for power. And I'm sure it was because you know 53 home runs hanging over his head from the year before. Yeah. If he makes. He, he can just flick his hands out there and he can poke it over the right field fence. You know, he doesn't have to take those huge hacks every time. If he hits above 270, he doesn't even have to hit 290, 300. Just get on base, you know, hit when you have to. He's he's going to be better than he was his rookie year. Ooh, okay. A little bold prediction there from uh, Bold prediction, yeah. Um, all right. So when you look at Conforto then, do you think they get him signed? Where do you think they go with him? I think they're going to try, and it's either going to be a dollar amount that they're not comfortable with at the beginning of the season, which I think will be stupid because I would give Conforto the world. I love this man so much. <laughs> but like like we said before, um. Boris clients typically don't resign. I uh, wouldn't really be surprised if you know, let if if nothing happens. Um, I know Conforto said he's open, but you know, anything could happen. Um, another extension candidate um, that isn't a pitcher is obviously Francisco Lindor. Um, the biggest acquisition of the offseason and like the whole in the whole sport. But between free agents and and trades, Francisco Lindor was the biggest and best acquisition this this off season. I I keep seeing these interviews with him and and you know, seeing seeing these pictures of him at camp every day. Uh, I don't know if it's just his person because I you know we've only seen him for three weeks. I don't know if it's just his personality. I know he's Mister Smile, but he looks so happy. And he yeah. does not look like he wants to go anywhere else. Yeah, you know, you're right, Keith. He is Mr. Smiles. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm going to make him very sad. Or, um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to hate on him a little bit here. So, we did clown ourselves by not giving this man an extension the second we got him. So, I'm just going to throw that out there. We're, we're probably going to grossly overpay him. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine, because that's what the Mets do. Silly things, even though new ownership don't matter. They still do foolish things. Mm-hmm. They're going to compare him to the Tatis deal because he's been in the league longer and he's considered a top two or three shortstop in the league, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not why I'm going to be angry today. <laughs> you know, we normally have Keats Corner. This is going to be Tim Gets Mad time. So I saw an article the other day that 
the title was, is Francisco Lindor the best Mets position player of all time? And I sat there and I said, you know, Keith, I really shouldn't click this because I'm going to make myself really angry. And uh, you know what I did? I did it anyway. And I clicked it to see what it said. Um, And I got mad. So we're going to play a fun game, right? And it's called the blind resume game. If you guys watch uh, Fox Sports and you know Nick Wright, he does these a lot with basketball. We're going to do this with baseball. Unfortunately, I don't have a visual for you, but I'm just gonna, you're going to have to remember the stats. So here we go. Player A, 319 batting average, on base 383, slugging 501, OPS 884, and if you're a loser and you like OPS plus, 139. Player B, 285 average, on base 346, slugging 488, OPS 833, OPS plus 117. So in case you have no memory, the player's stats I just listed are lower across the board than the first player I just listed. Player 3, 259 batting average. That would be last out of these three guys. On base, 358. That would be second. Slugging, 484. That would be last. OPS, 843. That would be second. OPS plus 128. That would be second. So Keith even though you know the answer to at least the first two guys here. Who do you think players A, B, and C are in this situation? I know number one is Jeff McNeil. That's right. And I know number two is Francisco Lindor from the low <laughs> on base percentage and the low of PS+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I've seen those two stats too many times. Um, and then I was a little confused about who the third one can be. But just based off of, like, tenure with the Mets, um, I'm going to go with Conforto. And, you know, Keith, you would be right, buddy. Let's go. And this is where the part where I get mad. Not only is Francisco Lindor not the best Mets position player of all time, he's not even the best Mets position player on our own team right now. My God. McNeil is better across the board. Batting average, on-base, slugging, OPS, OPS+, and all the other stupid analytical stats that people <laughs> use. He's better all across the board at the plate. He obviously can hit left-handed pitching as a left-handed hitter. Yep. All right. He can play first, second, short, third, left field, right field, pretty much other than center, pitcher, and catcher, and I'm sure he could play catcher if you needed him to. He plays all across the diamond, so he has more value on defense, in my opinion. Now, I get it, Lindor's a really great defensive shortstop, but he pretty much only plays there. McNeil can play anywhere, and it just it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad that people think that... Now, Lindor is great. I'm not saying he's not great. He's really good. He's great, whatever term you want to use. But Jeff McNeil's been the best player on our team, position player on our team... Since we called him up. The moment we called him My up. My God, yeah. he's bad like three, 300 plus every single year. Like this dude's an animal. And I don't mean just like the squirrel. I mean like he's literally <laughs> really good. And it just, it makes me sad when people disrespect him. Because Lindor is not, obviously he's not our best position player. McNeil is. And obviously he's not our best pitcher. He's not a pitcher. He's like our third best player overall. How could he be our yep. best player? <laughs> oh my God. And stuff like that. It just makes me so sad. But it is frustrating. It is frustrating. And with, with that frustration, uh, we're gonna I'm gonna ease out here 
and I'm going to hand it over to Keith for Keith's corner. So now he's going to take control after my little rant there. So Keith, go for it. So uh, today for my my little segment, I'm going to be talking about the Braves, but I'm not going to pick on anybody on their team specifically. I'm going to pick on uh, all these sabermetrics sites that are doubting the Atlanta Braves. It just scares me so much seeing all these projected win totals and seeing the Braves at like 84, 82 wins in fourth place below the Phillies and the Nationals when they have, you know, a top lineup, not only in the division, but in the majors, um, an insane bullpen and enough pitching to compete with anybody. Um, you know, I, I know they're down Soroka for a little bit, um, but, you know, they added Charlie Morton. They still got Max Freed. Um, and, you know, as as long as their lineup keeps going as they were as they were last year, you know, they're going to be at the top of the division. In my opinion, the it's going to be a two team race for the for the number one spot between the Mets and the Braves. But the Phillies and the Nationals will be around those two teams too. Um, they might not be fighting for that first spot, but they might be fighting for, you know, the first or second wild card. I would not be surprised if now, nah, uh, well, <laughs> I would not be surprised if two teams from the, uh, from the national league East are the two wild card spots, but you also have to remember the Dodgers and the Padres, Padres are both playing the same division. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, but I will tell you one thing. The Braves are not winning. They're not. They're not finishing 500. They're not winning. They're not winning 81, 82 games. They will win a minimum of 90 games. Well, and, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because I agree with you 100. percent All these like fan graphs and stuff like that. They're saying the Mets are like hands down the best team in the division. Like you must be on some whatever drug you're on. I don't do drugs, but if I did, I would ask for it because I would love <laughs> to know what is happening over there. Uh, so let's talk about the Braves a little bit. Yeah. Starting pitching, like you mentioned, they don't really have household names, but they are pretty good top to bottom. We already talked about Charlie Morton. You kind of brought up Soroka's coming back from injury. We checked up on him, actually. We got an update like an hour before we started recording this, that he should be back April or May. So he'll be back the first or second month of the season. He's not going to miss too much time. Freed's really good. I don't want to spend too much time on them, because obviously we know those are their top you know, pitchers. They did bring Ozuna back which I thought was a really good for them Huge. at the money they got him at, right? We kind of talked about comparing his contract to George Springer um, and how, like, tragic that is that the Blue Jays had to pay, you know, three times the amount for the same production. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about their bullpen because their bullpen, I think, is absolutely incredible. So just to name a couple That's of guys. Good. Luke Jackson, A.J. Minter, Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, Sean Newcomb, who's now in the bullpen full-time, Josh Tomlin. Like, they have dudes out there that yeah, are really good. Yeah. Do, do yeah, they have the top. best bullpen out of every team that we've previewed so far? It's I think it's either them or the Oakland A's, in uh, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. It's either them or the A's. Um, that says a lot because, I mean – no teams that we've covered, I think, have bullpens this team. I think I think 
they are better than the A's in in bullpen in terms of bullpen depth. Um, the A's might have you know the t- better like a better overall reliever. Um, but I mean, every everyone in this bullpen is good. Everyone's gonna go out there and shut your team down for the like. It, it's it's gonna be hard to to fight around these guys if if you knock a pitcher out early. Yeah, and they can kind of support themselves on offense too, right? You got Freddie Freeman, you got Ronald Acuna, you got Ozzie Albee. So those two guys are on the best team-friendly contracts in all of baseball, and we don't have to discuss that right now, but their their agents are Mm -hmm. morons. Um, You got Austin Riley back at third base, kind of platoon probably with Jake Lamb, I would assume. Like, they have a really good lineup on top of it. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but... If you had to stack up the Braves against the Mets, because according to the betting odds, they are the two best teams in this division, what advantage does, well, what significant advantage do the Braves have over the Mets? You uh, think they defense? have one? Defense? Okay. Defense. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was at the game when Ender and Ciarte robbed Cespedes of a walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. Um. I've never been more mad at a human being in my life, I think, <laughs> saying that happened. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it was just, honestly, just defense and bullpen and bullpen depth. I think those are the two main advantages that the Braves have over the Mets. Um, you know, DeGrom, DeGrom's going to go out there and, and shut everyone down. He owns Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Um, and Freddie Freeman knows it, which which is so funny. Um, but here's <laughs> what scares me is that is Darno going to continue to be a Mets killer because we know that of course he is. What do you mean? Is he? Of course with, he is with former Mets players. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's what happens. Travis Travis Darno's the the X factor against the Mets. I would say uh, when the Braves and the he Mets ha- face he haunted off. us when we had him. He still haunts us now, but for different <laughs> reasons. That's that's what happens. Yeah. But he still can't throw to second base, and that's mainly why that I couldn't stand him, so that's fine. We're going to save the rest of the Mets-Braves conversation there for the end when we talk about our division winners and our picks. But for right now, we're going to wet the beak. So if you're new to wetting the beak, that would be us making some betting picks. So Cy Young will be first. Is there any other choice without me reading the odds other than picking Jacob DeGrom? Um, no. Uh, you know, like like we said with the AL MVP, how it's Mike Trout, Mike Trout's award to lose. It's almost the same thing uh, with the NL Cy Young for Jacob Degrom. Um, I say almost just because you know one or two bad starts can derail all of your stats, just because it's a smaller sample size. You know, 33 games compared to 162 games that you know position players are playing. But it it pretty much is. Degrom's award to lose uh, after being a two-time back, you know, back-to-back Cy Young award winner last year in the shortened season, everyone was like, "This is like, this is going to be Degrom's award to lose," and you know, Bauer beat him out because Bauer was insane in what ten starts. Yeah. Compared to compared to Degrom, Degrom, I mean, Degrom was insane too until he faced the Marlins four straight times. If you face a team four straight times, obviously they're going to figure you out eventually to get yeah. like four runs that one start. So you know it's it's fine. He'll bounce back this year. He's gonna be elite again. Um, throwing 102 in spring training games, you know it's fine. <laughs> so I'm with you. 
The Grom's currently at plus 400. I'm not going to go any further because he's the best pitcher in baseball. So that's pretty much that. But if you had to swing for the fence here and pick someone else from this division to win the Cy Young, uh, let me read a couple of names off and you let me know which one you want. So Scherzer plus 800, Nola plus 1200, Freed plus 1800, Strasburg plus 2000, Morton and Soroka 2500 apiece, Corbin 3000, Sanchez 3500, Wheeler 3500, Carrasco 4000, Stroman 5000. So out of those guys, who do you like? Yeah, uh, I'm going with Wheeler. This this might be the year that that Wheeler goes insane. Um, you know, you know, he always has those insane second halves. Maybe he finally puts two and two together and makes it one whole great year. Um, and especially if he somehow carries the Phillies to a wild card spot, he is going to be inside on contention. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, like you said, he could get hurt. You don't know what could happen there. Yeah. But like I said, swinging for the fence. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Steven Strasburg. The reason I'm going there is because I've seen him do it before where he's just like stupid elite. His numbers, if he stays healthy, are absolutely incredible. Yep. And I think that if he stays healthy this year, and like we said before, the top three is going to have to carry the Nationals. And if Strasburg posts, you know, a sub 2.5 ERA and he has a really high strikeouts per nine, which is pretty much a lock. I think he has a chance to at least compete for the Cy Young. I don't know if he'll win it because it's tough to beat DeGrom out because he only gives up like five runs a season. But <laughs> uh, Strasburg has the stuff to do it. So that would be my swing for the fence pick there. Yeah, that that's also a good pick. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there with pitchers. It's tough to pick against a guy you pretty much know is going to win the award. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and we're not even saying that as Mets fans. Like, he's just so good. He's the best pitcher in baseball. So let's go to our MVP picks. Mm-hmm. So I'll list off a couple here. You got Soto, seven plus 750, Acuna plus 800, Freeman plus 1,000, Lindor plus 1,500, Harper plus 17, uh, Albies, Real Muto, 3,000, Alonzo, 35, Conforto plus 4,000, Reese Hoskins, 5,000, Bohm, 5,000, Turner, 5,000, McNeil, 5,000, Josh Bell, plus 10,000. <laughs> so <laughs> if you had to pick anyone out of that list, who are you going to take for MVP? I am all on the Juan Soto train. Um, we, uh, we touched about it, uh, touched on it before when we talk about the nationals. Uh, he's insane. And I love this guy. Um, people have called him the second coming of Ted Williams, which um, I mean, if you look at their numbers through their age 23 season, um, it's about the same. Which is crazy. That's like the highest praise you could give somebody. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, literally. <laughs> that there's like people are always like, oh, don't compare like young players to legends. But like, if the numbers are there, do it. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, he's he's insane. Um, and just to be contrarian, I'm not gonna pick him, even though mm-hmm. he would pretty much be my pick for this. Um, I'm gonna swing for the fence because I don't think other than Freeman or Acuna, I don't think anyone else could like actually win this from. Yeah this division and they don't have like the best odds to win a lot of money. So I'm going to go uh, and say Trey Turner, because when he's healthy, he's like a top two player in this entire division. I don't care what anyone else tells me. He could bat 320. He could hit 25 home runs. He could steal 45 bases. He could score 120 runs and have a hundred RBIs, depending on where they hit him in the order. They probably hit him first. So he might have the RBIs, but just throwing that out there. 
with Soto behind him, he's going to have a ton to hit. And I think that if he stays healthy, that could really propel him into the MVP conversation. And a plus 5,000. Those are great. He has the same odds as Bohm and Hoskins. Like, he's significantly better than he both of those guys. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, give me that all day. And even, like, I'd rather have him than Alonzo or Conforto because I don't think they're going to win MVP. Like, you're not going to have the MVP there's, and the Cy no, Young in the same team. They're, yeah, they're not going to give it to the same team. Um, And there's too many guys on that team. That's what I mean. Like, too many, like, great players in, yeah. on the, in that lineup where, they, like, everyone's going to block each other out. So just by doing math alone, you could eliminate the five guys ahead of him. So really, I, I think he's he's going to have a better number than Harper, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So like, yeah. you're getting pretty good value there, plus 5,000 on Trey Turner. So I just wanted to throw that out there for the people at home. Uh, like I said, this division has like a ton of dominant players. So it's really hard to pinpoint, because like Keith said, a lot of guys cancel each other out because they're like really good. Yeah. So to win an award from this division, you need to be like so super elite. Um, so I just wanted to make that a point before we get out of here. So let's make our picks, Keith. Who you got as your chalk pick and who do you have as your upside pick? I know, I know we spoke about, (laughs) (laughs) I know we spoke about the the Braves, you know, everyone's down in the Braves. I said, they're going to win over 90 games. And I still think the Mets are going to win the division. Maybe a little bias on this one. I tried to be unbiased before. Maybe a little bias on this one, saying the Mets are going to win the division. That's I think that's me more hoping than thinking. But um, I mean, it's it's going to come down to the wire between the Braves and the Mets. Um, hoping slash thinking the Mets will pull away. Well, I'm glad you took the Mets because I'm not going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to take the Braves as my chalk pick, and for one primary reason, the Mets have the same problem that they have refused to fix since Duaner Sanchez got into a stupid taxi cab. They only have three pitchers in the bullpen that are good. That's not enough bullpen when your starting pitchers, other than Jacob DeGrom, only go six innings max. They're going to do what they did to Pedro Feliciano and pitch the same three guys until their arm is, their knuckles are scraping on the mound. All right. And you can't win like that. I don't care what anyone else, what anyone says. You cannot win that way. Yeah, unless, um, unless you're you're blowing guys out like ten nothing. Yeah, you're, like, you're not gonna like. Now, if the Mets that. make some moves, this could change. Obviously, whether it be signing a guy, trading for a guy, or whatever. Like they should have went to Archie Bradley and said, "How much money do you want?" Because that would have really helped their bullpen out. Because that would have lengthened them to another guy. With Lugo out, I'm as of today. I'm taking the Braves because I'm not picking against yep. that bullpen. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no, I understand. It's going to be it's going to be a rough first month, no doubt, without Lugo. Um, and like we said before, um, bullpen's going to be as good as Familia and Batanzas. Batanzas has not looked good. Familia's no, looked he all right. Not. <laughs> um, I have more faith, a lot more faith in Familia than I do Batanzas. Yeah, so it comes down to me just having trust issues, All right? Now, that's not the only thing in life I have trust issues with, but this is the root of it, the New York Mets. <laughs> so I guess I'll go. I'll give my upside pick first. Yeah. My upside pick, I do think the Mets are the second-best team in the division, but with their odds similar to the Braves, for betting purposes, I don't think they're the, they're the next best. Um, pick, oh, my God. I, I guess. Yeah, next best pick for this. I had a brain <laughs> fart there. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Nationals. At plus six fifty, 
And the reason I'm going to do that is because I think their pitching could potentially carry them to win the division. I don't think it will, but they have much better odds than the Mets. And like we said before, between Scherzer, you know, Strasburg and Corbin, those are three guys that are like elite level pitchers. Mm-hmm. So who yeah. do you got as your upside I, team? I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Just, just, oh, based, okay. off, uh, based, just based off of betting odds, like we were saying before, like the Mets and the Braves have pretty much the same exact odds to win the division. So if you pick one of them, you know, that go, go with it. But yeah, you're not really maximizing. You're not, you're not really team. maximizing anything yeah. there. The Phillies are not going to win the division. <laughs> They're just, no. <laughs> they, you've, if you watch them, like we said, if you watch them the last two years, they're running it back with the same exact team. They're not going to win the division. The Nationals do have the pitching, the starting pitching to carry Correct. them to a potential division win. Um, you know, Juan Soto can carry them um, in, in a couple series, in a couple key divisional series, and, you know, maybe, maybe propel them up in the division. Uh, I I think Carter Keboom could be a huge wild card for them. Will he finally be the top prospect that they've been hoping he will be? Yeah, we kind of glossed over him before, but he's an X factor for that team for sure. Yeah, because he was their like quote unquote replacement for Anthony Rendon, so he's going to be big for them. Big shoes to fill. That's right. But that's going to wrap it up for the NL East. Next week we'll be going to the NL Central. Remember. Follow at Beak Brands, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow me and Keith at Tim Ferdinand, at Keith Hernandez, two Zs. You can check out our content on the website, beakbrands.com. And obviously subscribe and follow to the Speak to the Beak podcast on Spotify and Apple. I won't lie to you, me and Keith really grinded this one out tonight. Big (laughs) audio, video problems going on here, but we managed to get through it. So hopefully you enjoy the rest of your Monday. We will be back with you next week for the NL Central as we get within three weeks or two and a half weeks, give or take, when you're listening to this with the start of the season. So until then, we will talk to you soon. See you soon.